Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Spoke, the all-new and exclusive podcast series with me, Chidera, a.k.a. The Slum Flower. And me, Sully Breaks, poet, writer, spoken word, artist, etc., etc. Where we discuss issues at the heart of youth culture and how music and literature are shaping the conversation. Throughout history, famous men have abused their power and been forgiven for their crimes on account of their art. Take Charles Dickens, a man who's arguably one of the greatest authors of all time, but also an abusive husband. Or Dr. Dre, undoubtedly a hip-hop legend, but also a man with a history of violence against women. Or more recently, R. Kelly, an artist with a long list of suspected crimes who recently released a track called I Admit, attempting to brush over his offences and return to the spotlight. Although we've seen some industry figures held to account in the wake of the hashtag MeToo and Time's Up movements, there are many other high-profile celebrities who've been able to retain a loyal following despite their well-known controversies. So why are some celebrities immune from criticism while others are cancelled? Is a fall from grace really punishment enough for their crimes? And what should you do as a fan when you discover that someone you raped has disappointed you? This week we discuss fallen icons in the wake of Me Too and the problems you face as a fan when separating the art from the artist. Okay, so this one is a mad one because it's a crazy one, crazy one. Because like that last sentence about separating the art from the artist, like, makes me so vexed. Really? Well, yeah, because why? Like, if you're if you're making art and that art is coming from a person who has a history of violence or is a known aggressor, then me supporting your art by giving you money or giving you attention or giving you anything that can allow your career to, um, I guess, expand, is me contributing to your livelihood, which is in a way me allowing you to be in a position that's comfortable enough for you to enact more of the same violence. So in a way, I'm still enabling you. Is is that really the case though? When we look at it from the context of like, as humans, we're flawed, isn't it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody's going to be perfect. I think even as an audience, for us to inherently expect or impose responsibility on artists is completely naive. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. it, although someone may be like, even if you look at political figures, you know what I mean? People that have contributed mass like to mass like social change and like in positive ways. Yeah. When you look into their history, there's a lot of like underlying like deep, dark kind of secrets that wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be things you advocate for. Do you know what I'm saying? So I mm. feel like inherently, as an artist, although you're making art, doesn't mean it makes you a good person. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. the dynamics of being human. 
I mean, mm. just because just because you went and fed like a thousand kids in a country like in Ghana or something like that doesn't mean you come home and treat your wife or your child with the same respect. Do you understand? Yeah. So do, do we then? And I'm not justifying it, but no. I'm saying the conversation is: do we then tri- minimize or discredit their contribution towards the other lives which they're impacting in maybe a positive way? Well, it's also heavily dependent, I think, as well on the impacts that they're creating. But ultimately, it still comes down to if you're going to be creating all that goodness in the world, that needs to be reflected in your immediate environment. And those personal values can't just be performative. Does Do it have saying? to be, though? Because your art, in your art, say, for instance, if you're an artist that makes music about making people sing and, and, and dance and jump about, and you're not necessarily advocating for, like... I beat women, so I'm going to go into my art and talk about beating women. Do you understand what I'm saying? Of course not. So so it's kind of like, isn't the art like a distinct, separate kind of representation of you? You Well, I'm really excited to get into this conversation, but I could could go back and forth with you about this forever because we've got two incredible people that have joined us today. We are very grateful to have their company. Yes. You've got to introduce yourself and I want you to say one thing that you've done that you're really, really proud of. So on my left... We've got the delightful, the talented, the unforgettable Thea Gaic. Hi. How you doing, girl? I'm good. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Um, hi, I'm Thea Gaic. I'm an actress, filmmaker, writer. Um, one thing I'm proud of. I think I'm most proud of accepting my other talents. Which are? Because Which are? for a long time I thought I was solely an actress. And um, until I started making film, which actually was birthed out of my frustrations of being an actress and not having an agent at the time. And it's scary to admit that you can do other things and put your efforts and time in in other things when you thought you were just one thing. Mm -hmm. And I think accepting that allows you to be, to fulfil your potential. Mm. And you can block yourself a lot by like not wanting to go down a certain yeah. path because you're so barriers. stuck in your head stuck in your head that you want to be one thing. So I'm proud of doing that. Yes. We'll champion that my G. as well. <laughs> that would champion that definitely, definitely. I like that. And to my right, we have the man himself. We have the myth, you know, that came straight from the abyss, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the writer extraordinary, you know what I mean? The wizard with the pen, you know, the speaker, Jeez. the speaker extravagance, you Jeez. know what I'm saying? She extravag- you know, we have the man himself, a guy I'm a very big fan of personally, Anthony Anaxaguru. Do you want to introduce yourself to the people and introduce <clears throat> it well? Let them know who you really are. Um, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Anthony Anaxaguru. Um, I'm a poet, uh, a writer. <clears throat> a teacher or educator um, and, a, and a publisher. Nice. You're an epic performer. I actually mm, witnessed you um, deliver a really unforgettable performance at Oxford University. Uh, yeah. that was oh, yeah. Where... That's what you were speaking about. Yeah, okay. when I said I saw you at Oxford, because right. it was me, you, Adjua, Boa, yeah, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I and, but I remember the piece that you performed and I think it was just really, really wonderful how you managed to capture the room and... Uh. You made everyone think. I remember me and Adjua were like, oh, he's so sick. When and he I, speaks, the room goes silent, isn't yeah. it? Adjua's there's, gonna, there's the first two lines. Yeah. After the first two lines, everyone's just silent, bro. Yeah, Adjua was gassed and I was like, right, he's sick, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 no. This guy has a way with words on another level, man. Speaking of way with words, what's your responsibility with your words? This is the question we're having. Who's the most problematic artist on your playlist or most problematic film director or... Um, actor that you're a fan of right now and you feel like they have certain issues that may not would change the way people perceive them hmm. 
Um, no, I think this is quite, it's, it's a difficult and it's a complicated question to answer. There isn't really one clear avenue that you can go down with this. I think what this argument or this kind of level of inquiry is predicated on is morality and morality mm. as, as a concept. Mm. And I think this is where we have to be quite uh, kind of specific in the way in which we think about morality. I think there's two things within the, in the constructs of art and the function of art um, and morality and how those two things are intertwined. I think the first thing to, to think about is the role of the audience and the, uh, the role of the consumer. Why do people go to art? What is the reason of going to art? So if we take the, the, the opposite of, of morality within the artistic kind of construct or within the artistic spectrum, mm. comedy makes is premised on subverting morality mm, so there's okay. a difference between an immoral joke and a tasteless joke which is yeah. what yeah. frankie boyle says right so i think that when audiences go to comedy they're not they don't go as moralists mm. when an artist makes art this is where it goes the other side now so you have artists who someone like kanye west yeah who will make art the art doesn't necessarily have to come from a moral high ground. And that is well within the artist's right to not have to moralise, to not be a moralist. Mm. Charles Bukowski, a poet, was not a moralist. They made art because the world in all its facets is not predicated on morality. This is a human concept that has actually changed over time. Mm. If you went back 150 years, slavery was moralised. Yeah, yeah. Right? it was even legal. It was legal mm. and moralised. So, mm -hmm. and, and if you go back even further, the Bible, the Curse of Ham, etc. So I think that if you look at different periods, morality changes. Law isn't even predicated on morality. Yeah. There was a shift in the early 20th century that moved from the natural, from like you know the religious law into the more objective, um, kind of logical positivism, things like this. So I think that you have uh, you have to be quite careful with the way in which you think about morality and the function and the role of the artist because we don't always have to make art. I mean, we have problems with Kanye West yet you'll still dance to a tune yeah, in yeah. a nightclub. So I think where do we actually draw the line? And there are gradations as well. You know, there's one thing... Um, I don't know, saying something that is quite problematic, there's another thing, sexually assaulting someone. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they shouldn't be conflated as the same thing. They're yeah. all obviously terrible acts, but they shouldn't be lumped in as in being one thing. So I think really what this argument is very much premised on is one, the person's own experience. So if a woman who has been raped has to listen to a rapper or a, a, music, or a music mogul or a film producer who, is, who has raped, they won't be able to moralise or legitimise the acts of that person, whereas a man or a woman who hasn't been affronted or hasn't been affected by something mm. are going to experience things in quite a different way. Mm. So I think a lot of it is that subjective experience of an individual and the other part is our own moral compass and how we navigate art through using that moral compass. Mm. I feel Word. like we can end the podcast now and let's <laughs> go home. You know what I mean? So on that concept, I'm going to address it to Fia and then we can bring it back to you. So in that, is there any artist that you feel, that you ever feel like you listen to and there is that, because of your personal experience, there is that conflict? Personally, you feel conflicted on the basis that there's something that doesn't sit with me and is there artists that you've quote-unquote like written off because of that? Yeah, I think when I was thinking about this topic, I kind of wanted to challenge myself and not pick someone like Easy, like Chris Brown, for example, yeah. mm. whose music I don't really like anymore anyway. So it's kind of easy for you to, to quote unquote, them. yeah, discard yeah. them, cancel them, the whatever. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, like even Weinstein, mm. do you know what I mean? He's a producer, mm. so 
of course, he produces, he has produced great films, but him as a person, you don't really connect with him because he's a producer. You don't yeah. see, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was thinking of some people that would challenge me and my perspective. So I was thinking of Johnny Depp and... Um, oh, yes. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's a good, that's actually a good And one Kevin Spacey. Mm, yeah. Who, whose talents as actors, Johnny Depp specifically, since I was young, before like I was um, exposed to... All the other actors, like I always thought he was like, Oh my god, Johnny, that's the best. Yeah, yeah, the he's one of the best. The and um I know that his situation with Amber Heard kind of split the industry a lot on like people didn't know who that's to believe. Ex wife, right? Yeah, his ex wife. So they met on the set of Rum Diary and um there were there's been allegations of an abusive relationship, etc. etc. Um and I was and I started like questioning myself and I was like, but it's, and it's similar to what you were saying about if you can't relate to the effects of it, it's really difficult to then, like, disregard them and what you enjoy about them or their work as an artist. Like, mm-hmm. would I not go and see... If he had a new film coming out and it had great reviews, would I really not go and see it? Mm. Like, it may... And I don't think... I, I think I would go and see it, which is then like, oh... so Unapologetically, where... would you go and see it? Or would you the whole time be thinking... Whoa! Like I'm, I'm I think you. Thi- I think it would. Cro- oh, it was cross my mind when I'm watching it, like. But I think I would go and see it, which is then is like you question yourself. Like, okay, you can say all of this stuff. I think a lot of us are like um, contradictory. Yeah. Um, when it's about ourselves, like we can speak on topics. No, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. And mm-hmm. when you're in the position, you definitely do do it. Yeah. And then Kevin Spacey, I was. Um, part of Old Vic for a long time so I acted there I was part of Old Vic New Voices and a community company and he really changed that theatre for the better so he was there for I think 11 years oh wow and he made it popular he changed it like he brought it out of the dirt like he he gave £10 tickets to like um, people who couldn't afford theatre he created like this amazing platform for young people in theatre I was part of a mentorship that he created um, so I was one of the actresses that was chosen to be partnered with another actress mm. and so on and so on. This was obviously before his allegations came out. Mm. And then again, what you were saying earlier, you question, yeah, like what what role is that? Can you separate the art from the person and how they've helped so many people in this way, even though they've harmed and whoever? People, yeah. And I, when I was researching this, I found an doc- uh, article about Kevin Spacey because he got recast from a film called All the Money in the World. So he was the main character. Not the main character, sorry. He was the granddad. And um, they shot the whole film. It's a Ridley Scott film. They shot it all. The trailers were in cinemas. Da, da, da. Then the allegations came out. And so then Ridley Scott recast um, Christopher oh, Plummer yeah. um, instead. And they had to reshoot it in 10 days. Anyway, when I was, re- I was reading the mm. article, and Ridley Scott, like... I've got a quote here, which is my thing that I Which is your in. item. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. We're going to <laughs> items thought, then. That's cool. Which I, I like thought that. like was interesting. So he said, this is Ridley Scott quote, whatever you do in private is not my business. It only becomes my business if it infects the business that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Then it's my duty to do something about it. So his whole point was saying that he didn't necessarily remove Kevin Spacey for moral reasons. Mm. It was more oh, because business. <laughs> it's business. Affect his money. So if it would affect his money and it affects the film industry and it affects films that people are trying to sell, do you know what I mean? Time is money, film is very expensive. Mm. So then it made me think, so how much of this Me Too movement mm. is that? 
good point. Yeah. Interesting angle. That's, that's a very good point. How much of it is really incentivized but for by commercial gain yeah, as opposed yeah, to actual yeah. like social yeah. kind of like conscious like outrage? How many people oh. are co-signing it? How many directors? How many producers are like, no, you're right. Cool. They might also be for moral reasons but how many of it is because they know if they keep these people in their stuff they'll lose money like Netflix mm. lost so many mon- so much money because hey, of, you know of House yeah, of Cards yeah. do you know what I mean so that quote like if I hadn't read that article I would have presumed he removed Kevin Spacey for yeah, reasons, reasons. Yeah. yeah I would have believed that until I read it and then I was like oh <clears throat> I guess that I guess part of that is because that <sighs> there, there, there must have been a sense of pressure to sound a bit after pressure pressure yeah. there was a lot of pressure there was a sense of pressure to to i guess align with that mm. it's, it's it's very similar to what happened with joe radar radio mm-hmm. yeah. right so yeah. similar to what happened at radar i had a shirt radar and a lot was happening people started leaving but i know that a lot of people who left they left because if you had remained in that environment, it now just looks bad on you because yeah. so many people have left. Yep. So then it was, I was now thinking like, is this person leaving because they care deeply about the initial reason why the first people who left, left? Or are they leaving because if they don't leave, they're going to look like a bad person and that's mm-hmm. going to affect the way that people view them. Mm. So it's a difficult one because what happened ironically was that one of the people who announced that they left was actually an abuser. Yeah. Oh wow. And but their but their announcement was that they're saying that they're leaving because, because of, of the <laughs> environment. And I'm like, this is jokes. But it's it's a difficult one, and I'm quite conflicted as well because um, I I I operate in an industry that is you know there's there's, there's publishing on this side and there's like me working with um, people that do campaigns and stuff. It's just a lot and. I've found in so many situations where it's really hard for me to speak up for myself, especially there's been so many instances where I've been on set and my hair's been touched and everyone everyone in the crew is white and mm. I'm the I'm the talent here. I'm the black woman. If I if I tell someone off for touching my hair or making like a microaggressive remark, mm-hmm. that's now that's now destroyed the entire vibe and it's now I'm gonna be feeling it the most because I'm the one who needs to work and I'm the talent here. So now everyone feels awkward moving around me. So then I decide to just keep quiet and keep silent. But then I'm thinking, is my silence then um enabling for this to happen even longer? Yeah. Which then puts me in a very, very difficult position of responsibility. But then leading into like the Me Too movement, I think what's really, really upsetting about that is initially when Me Too was started one it was started by a black woman who has dealt with abuse and Mm. is trying to give voices to black women who have been abused and unable to speak up but then the issue is like you were saying that when it starts to enter the conversation to do with money what happens is that people want to look like they are morally on the right side of the conversation Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of when I think there was a red carpet event happening and people had to wear like roses or something. Yeah. And it's like that thing again. It's like if you don't wear a rose, then it looks like you don't care. Yeah. So yeah, then yeah. it's like. <laughs> but I think, uh, but I think a lot of this is assuming that 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 the idea of business or the idea of capitalism or the idea mm. of acquiring and making money is premised on philanthropy and, and do-gooding, which is not. It's like, true. That's not, in the, that's not a business's modus operandi. Like, their thing is to make money. Yeah. And everything else is secondary to that, yeah. including 
things like what we're speaking about. Yeah. So to expect the business to act, I mean, ethically, the, the capitalist model is, is it premised on exploitation. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. Right? Yeah. So the whole thing is about... It's already expo- rigged. Right. Mm. So to expect the business to all take like a humane stance on something yeah. is ridiculous. But I think the fact that people are getting cancelled, the fact that people are being put out of work, I don't even think it's going to hurt their pocket in that sense because a lot of these people are very powerful people anyway. And, yeah, regardless. Where it does get really interesting is when you compare powerful, a lot of the time, powerful white men mm. um, or powerful entertainers to people in prison who are the most, un- who most of the pe- people in prison are poor. Like, yeah. I do a lot of work in prison mm-hmm. and I see a lot of the guys that are in there are in there for the same reason as... That's a good point. The person yeah. that was cancelled. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that is a, both a form of cancelling, but the difference is that the p- people with power and money have still got their autonomy. Enjoy their privileges, they're, they're, yeah. No one's gone to prison. No. Yeah. But these guys have. So you look at, again, you look at law, you look at the judicial system mm-hmm. and how that plays out with power, money, race, class, etc. And you start to realise there's something a lot more insidious at play here. There's something a lot more profound than just somebody doing something wrong and then getting pulled up for it. We're looking at the situation from a standpoint that the people in this industry or the industry itself is, does, doesn't have like a responsibility to. Has got well, a moral yeah. backbone. Yeah. No, yeah. What items do you bring? I didn't bring any items. I got a quote. Yeah, that's an yeah. item. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I thought you had like a material. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> um, this what fits into the conversation. Man, look, like I'm not a purist. I, what is I, it, what's a purist? Like a purist, somebody who. Is, is a Puritan. Like, everything is... If I was a purist, I wouldn't live in this country, right? Oh, I'm not going to start judging people okay. um, in this kind of sense when I live in a country and I pay tax towards a government that props up Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Like, that, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. So I think that you have to see things as they are. And it's all okay. very well and good to try and say, you know, like, I'm no longer supporting this because of that. Yeah. But then there's other things at play as mm-hmm. well. You know, you can boycott this, but then what happens over yep. here? Yeah. So I think the system is so complicated and it's so interwoven with exploitation, with corruption, with genocide, with arms fed, like all this kind of thing, that for me, I see individuals as human beings before I deify them. So I'm, yeah. I don't, I'm not looking for a saviour. I'm not looking to, to put somebody like a celebrity yeah. on a pedestal and think you are the beacon, the yeah. paragon of excellence. You are the all good. Yeah. Yeah. People are in people are fallible. Right? Yeah. And I think because of that fallibility, we have to understand that art is something that you do. It's a verb. It's something that you make, right? Mm-hmm. So a human, you might be very like Einstein might have been great, you know, at quantum physics, but then when it comes to like raising a child, he yeah, wasn't yeah, very good. Yeah, terrible, yeah, or, or, or man, cooking. Yeah. You know, or something like this. Like intelligence and artistry and gifts and the idea of the the extraordinary individual. Mm. These things that are almost channeled to become one thing. So we remove the fact that Kevin Spacey is a great actor, also a perpetrator. Mm. And those two things somehow... But look at the rest of that person's life and, and the rest of what it constitutes to be a human being. And you start to see that we are all problematic in our own, in our own ways. And mm. some obviously more than others. But Absolutely. the fact is, is that... We're all here playing playing our part. So I, I I genuinely what I try and do, can you separate the dancer from the dance, which is kind of what what we're getting at here. Yeah. I, I someone like Philip Larkin, right? He's, He's a poet he, he was a poet um, And when we say elaborate, but elaborate for the people that are listening. So Philip I mean? Larkin was a was a poet that was around in the fifties, sixties, seventies, like the modernist poet in yeah. that kind of period. And he was an English English guy from Hull. Um and he wrote a very famous poem called The Wits and Weddings. Um and it's one of my favourite poems of all time. Philip Larkin also, in 1984, said he doesn't want to go to uh, test matches anymore because there's too many effing N-words around mm. and that the South African police squad should come and sort them out. 
He was a Thatcherite. He was classist. He was racist. And all this is documented. Yet he's lauded. He's lionised. He's respected within literary circles. Why? Because he can write a mean poem. But he was also a fascist, like an outspoken fascist. He, he, you know, he hated poor people. He hated yeah. them. And so I think with people, what do you do? Do you cancel his work or do you see it for this is the work of a fascist? Ezra Pound, mm. he was writing with Mussolini. You know, he wrote some of the most famous cantos of the Second World War, yet he was a fascist. So let me ask you this then. You have a publishing house, yeah? yeah. You have a platform. Mm. So if an artist approached you and you knew that they had very, like, offensive, you know, kind of like... Um, very dark history. Yeah, views, you know, and things that you, you didn't outwardly agree with, but you knew that their art was of a high standard and it was of a level that you would champion irrespective of... If you wasn't aware of, the, of their circumstance, would you, would you feel a responsibility, a moral responsibility, not to give that a platform or a wider reach? Or would you say, this is just good work and no. let me take it for what it is? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I come from a moral place. And I think that how it works is that I have a moral compass and I navigate the world using that compass. However, I don't know how conducive being censorious actually is. What is censorious? So mean? to censor somebody, censor. to cancel. Okay. Like. So I think that for me... Philip Larkin, Ted Hughes, Bukowski, Ezra Pound, Elliot, all these poets who were problematic, the Chris Browns, the Kanye's, you know, you go, Kevin Spacey, you go all the way down the line. Let people know what they've done and use that to build on the future. That's okay. how you move forward. You don't hide from it. You don't sanitise it. You don't say, no, we lived in a... You say, this is what we're going to use now mm -hmm. to build on, to move on and to work forward. And they, that has to exist because we live in a fascistic society. There are people out there. I mean, you can see in the UK alone, from Brexit all the way through to Tommy Robinson, you see the whole thing, how it plays out. So to deny that that exists, that that body politic exists, is in itself counterproductive to what it is we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So no, I wouldn't publish them. And I would ask them to not be involved in the arts. Yeah, I know poets, contemporaries of mine, who are racist, who are writing racist. I'm not going to name them. Yeah, but I, But I, I, you know, there's people that are operating right now who are the same age as me and are writing very racist poems. Be they, like, you know, steeped in metaphor or whatever yeah. else, they're a problem. Yet they have publishing deals with, you know, major publishing houses. So I think it's important to recognise these things for what they are mm. and and have the conversation, you know, but have it conducively as opposed to this kind of very polarising way in which we do politics, we have to do everything. So so if, so if we're discussing... I want to address this to you, Fia. So if we're discussing it in the same way, like, same way I was talking to Anthony about talking about art and put it on a platform, even though you know the person is problematic mm. and that they are flawed... So as a producer and a director, in your personal experience, have you come across a situation where you had to draw that moral... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Standard that is that you hold yourself to mm. in order to get art produced. Because I mean, especially as an independent um, filmmaker, mm-hmm. you have very limited resources as it is. So mm. say someone comes onto the set mm. and like the radar radio situation, they may have a background that is questionable, but they're the best actor for the job. Mm. Is it still, do you still, because I think, like you said, we operate in a business. Does the business aspect still affect what you need to do versus what you want to do? Yeah, it's definitely, it definitely affects it. I've never personally been in that situation. Yeah. Um, so but, hypothetically, if he was, would you, you know, I mean, imagine, say, for instance, a massive Hollywood producer says, I'm making, I'm giving you a million to make a movie, but mm. you have to cast Spacey because he's on his comeback tour and you're the only director that will make it. And like you said, you still go to the, to the cinema to watch his films. Mm. Are, are you a hypocrite by then saying, no, but I have this standard or are you just being business orientated? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cast him. From a commercial reason or for a personal reason? Um, I don't know. I think it's a bit of both. Um, to be honest, I think it's such hard territory. I know it's just hard. Like really I don't. Hard. It is. It is like I understand when I read the Ridley Scott quote, but even though I hadn't. Uh, but Ridley Scott's problematic. No, he's yeah. problematic yeah. himself. Yeah. So Und- let's no, just not use him hundred percent. No, hundred percent. No, but just his quote when he was talking about the business side of it, and obviously, as we know, as we've spoken about, business and capitalism isn't moral. And it doesn't spawn from those grounds, but um, yeah, I wouldn't because also I think, I think a lot of it, I think it is personal as well because of how Kevin Spacey went about when he got found out and mm. how and yeah, the statement he, he released. Yeah. So how did he handle it? In his apology, he used it to come out as um, gay, gay. Oh. Yeah. instead to of garner sympathy. Instead yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So he tried to get um yeah get support yeah. from another oppressed group to try yeah. and like to try and alleviate the pressure on him yeah do you know you know there's another element to this that we haven't yeah let's talk, let's talk about the, it. The, 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 there's one other thing is that i often think about the way that the cult of celebrity is mm. kind of contained and the way in which they're spoken about and it's yeah. all this this kind of extraordinary almost superhuman talent that they have yeah and that eclipses anything else mm-hmm. so you know we look at the guy in prison from I don't know Walthamstow and yeah. he's doing six years right mm. he can't act he can't sing he can't dance can't write poems whatever else right mm. as far as we know he deserves to be in prison yeah. this person can act incredibly well they've raped and assaulted mm. several women mm. but they're an entertainer so ah, there it is yeah. but they have a talent mm. yeah but is the argument for it's their talent or is it their some- impact because yeah, this is the question you have to ask. It's the same thing. Talent is impact. I don't feel like it's the same thing. It's how it's valued. It's how it's valued yeah. and how it's received it's like by how, groups of people. It's, no, the but same, it's like how we respond to beautiful people, right? It's like how beauty is used as a way to... to Basically, the more the more beautiful you are, the better you're treated and the more you're able to escape certain things. Basically, the more beautiful you are, the more value you have as a person. In the same way, the more talented you are, the more value you have as a person. But if we look at it, that, that's one way to look at it. But if we're talking about, say someone's beautiful, like it makes people feel better, isn't it? So that's like, to an extent, someone likes to being like appreciated by a beautiful person. They like the, how it makes them feel because they feel like if they're beautiful and they like me, that's an emotional response. So the same way Theo was talking about how Kevin Spacey paid for this theatre, did this, did that, did that, 
that, you know what I mean? Same way we can, we can say that Kanye West provides jobs for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a very practical impact. And people are saying that, like you said, he helped pay for, like, make the mm-hmm. theatre accessible. We're trying to say this, that then, does that not kind of atone them? Because we're talking about the subject no, of redemption. I don't think it does. does that not create some kind of atonement Be- if you balance the skills? No, like Gandhi, mm-hmm. for instance. Because, because then... Nah, man, Gandhi was a prick. No, I don't, I'm not a, fa- I'm not a fan <laughs> of... I mean, Nas said it for me. Gandhi was a fool, you know what I mean? So already I have my opinions of him. But then Nas has got a lot of issues of as course, well. Do you understand what I'm so, saying? Look, yeah. I, 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 think, I think the point is is that when you look at atonement and you look at this kind of notion that Kanye West creates a lot of jobs, that, that does that allow him? Does that justify him supporting what Trump? Is, what does atonement mean? To kind of redempt, to mm, kind okay. of forgive that kind of yeah. But but isn't that but isn't that your own personal stance then? By you saying pers- but everything yeah. is your personal. That's no, okay, why I said this is a, this is about subjectivity. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, what about this idea of what we spoke about, just to backtrack a bit, that yeah. we spoke about um, how we're very quick to uh, excuse and pardon certain individuals. Mm. And and if we think about it in a more selfish way, the reason, one of the reasons I think it is, is because we, that person's symbolic representation, what they symbolise for us as individuals. So if you take it back to before the cult of celebrity yeah. and you look at kings and queens yeah, this, yeah, and then yeah. you go back even before that and you look at that prophets, prophets and yeah. deities yeah. and whatever else, the idea, the purpose was to project our inadequacies, our fantasies, mm-hmm. our dreams and our desires onto these individuals, right? Be they omnipotent or be they human. Yeah. And I think that what we do with celebrities now is using glamour, using marketing, smoke and mirrors, PR campaigns, whatever else, we create the idea of the indestructible superhuman. Mm. That's what the cult of celebrity is about. And so the moment that you cancel one of these individuals, you are now cancelling the aspirations, mm. the of hopes so and dreams, people, yeah. the symbolism of mm. so many groups of people, which is why they're very quick to defend. Whereas the guy who's in Walthamstow in prison... He doesn't represent anything for anyone, yeah. right? Yeah. He just gets lumped in this category of criminal. We don't even care mm, what it 100. is. You're just a criminal. That's mm. where you go. And so there's all these discussions and think pieces and hot takes on, you know, on Kevin Spacey's and actors and footballers, Ronaldo yeah, now, yeah, you yeah. see? So yeah. I think that, it, you know, we have to see this as, as a wider thing, not just the individual, but what that individual represents and why we're quick to want to either ameliorate or go the other way. Mm. Do you reckon this is just a male problem? Because I'm curious about our relationship with Azealia Banks, mm-hmm. who, for those that know, she's a musician and American, she's also yeah. known for just being really, really... Um, she's quite confrontational about a lot of topics, but at the same time, she's got a really smart head on her. But a lot of the time, she does say a lot of homophobic things, transphobic things, but then she still is upheld a lot by so many communities including um, the gay community as well and I see a lot of people saying things like we've decided to cancel Azealia Banks but this tune kind of goes in though so I think the question I'm asking is like in what ways is it different for women? Sabrina Claudio Oh yes Sabrina Claudio so for those who don't know Sabrina Claudio is a young musician um, I think she's about 20 or 21 Mm -hmm. and I think she is yeah she's Cuban um, very very fair skinned um, and so what happened was her tweets got pulled up from when she was about 16, 17, where she was being extremely racist and um, attacking black women on the internet and being fat phobic as well. And so the internet collectively decided to cancel her. Mm-hmm. But th- th- this is the issue with call out culture. Yeah. Like I have a, and I get, you know, this is a controversial topic. Like you yeah. saw it with Maya Jammer as well. Like yeah. you see it with Stormzy. Like th- yeah. there's, there's a lot of this whole, Twitter loves a pylon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Twitter doesn't need anything substantial. 
puzzle <laughs> to actually try no, and yeah. you know deduce why this thing happened. And again, it's the idea that people can't grow. Yeah. We, we've all said stupid stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. Every everyone has said something stupid mm. in their mm -hmm, time and mm -hmm. acted in stupid ways. Some people aren't learning in public. Some are That's learning the in difference. private. Yeah, yeah, some are learning in Lucky private. for them. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I think that we have to take that into consideration, you know, that someone when they're 17 and all the stuff that's kind of gone into that experience of being yeah. a 17-year-old mixed race girl or whatever it is, and then someone when they're in their mid-20s or 30s or 40s, they're not the same person. And, right. also, and also, like, I've always said, when with this whole Twitter cancelling culture of bringing up old tweets, like the world has changed so much. Things that were politically correct yeah, different, different. are not politically correct now. Yeah. And it's a constant change. And we as a society decide how to change the meaning of words. Yeah, Do you know 100%. what I mean? And we decide all the time, constantly evolving, what, 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 how, yeah, how we do that, and what's what's allowed, and what's fine now, and what wasn't then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think we still have to be quite. I think we still have to be quite meticulous with the way in which we think about political correctness, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there is like overt homophobia, yeah, overt yeah, yeah. racism, Regardless and overt sex. Yeah, exactly. yeah, of course, of like, course, of course. Know, <laughs> is what it is. I think, yeah, like you say, microaggressions and the vocabulary around certain things. Mm -hmm. There's more discourse now than what yeah. there was 10, 15 years ago mm -hmm. because of the proliferation of technology, etc. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, you definitely have to see that, but then also understand, like we were just saying, that this is a learning experience yeah. for everyone. Like mm -hmm. you look at Russell Brand's trajectory, yeah, where boy, he was 10 yeah. years ago to where he is now. He's a different <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, Malcolm yeah. X, yeah, you know, like you go through yeah, yeah. and you'll see that people, some people just do their learning in public. Mm -hmm. yeah. We think of things as this Black kind of, white. this monolith, yeah. like yeah. it's all yeah, like you're crime. either yeah. righteous or, or you Yeah, are, like yeah. I don't yeah. think there's at all space to grow in public and to make mistakes oh in public. Like you, if you... <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, you can't yeah, really hard. It is not a safe because space. Because the media is predicated on shame. Yeah. Yes, like, that, that's a good that. point. People that, love a story why. where someone is... Someone gets you know, shamed. Yeah. Someone gets called out. They, the best story is someone who's known for being positive and has very clean views and then something is brought up and it's like, ah-ha. Yeah. It's like in cartoons when... It's like in Scooby-Doo when you remove the person's mask and it's like, ah-ha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't for you meddling but, kids. Yeah, meddling. <laughs> but you know what? If, if we were to even think about these things in a more critical way, then we're going to start losing using this very tabloid way of receiving information yeah. and thinking about people because on the other end of that scandal mm. there's a human being mm. now I'm, look, look, make it clear like I'm not trying to pardon people who have done heinous crimes yeah like 100% I'm, it's yeah, just yeah. you know human beings who F up at some point in, in their journey and aren't forgiven mm. and that's what I'm saying like to think about things in that, in that way to not lump uh, a serial killer in there with a, with a petty thief like mm -hmm. they're not the yeah. same thing. Yeah. You know? They both fall under crime, yeah, but, but there's gradations. Yeah. What about the white collar boys in the city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's gone to prison? Yeah. Who's gone to prison for what happened? You know, with, with, with the banking crisis. Mm. With, no exactly, one. not a single bank. No one. What happened to Grenfell? Yeah. What happened to Grenfell? Yeah, so, Who's yeah. gone to prison for Grenfell? Yeah. But someone will go to prison for nicking skittles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk. Let's let's talk about the subject now. That we're on the subject of growth and like humanity and people. So at what point? Does someone get to an, a place of redemption? At what point are we allowed to allow allow? Do we give people the opportunity to like re-revolve or move past that? Because we have Dre here as an example where when he's known as having an abusive relationship towards women and he's openly admitting to it. Who's and, that? And Dr. Dr. Dre. Okay. Yeah, and he's openly on more on multiple occasions admitting to it, and he's actually come out and saying. I've paid the price and as a result of that I take it more from his personal experience meaning that he knows how that's affected his relationships maybe with those women or other people or how people perceive him but as a public or society when do we get to the point where it's like okay you know what not necessarily we forgive you but okay we're not going to use this to kind of like 
to um, demonize you for the rest of your life because it's kind of, that's kind of how it is right now. If you get if you get seen uh, unless you have a certain level of celebrity, mm. if you get something associated with you, you're carrying that from now mm-hmm. to your grave. You know what I mean? I think it's also Money. like how the information is learned because if if it's from the person's mouth, like for example, I heard Dre talking about it in the Defiant ones. Yeah. Mm. And when you hear the person talking about it and how they they're describing. Mm. They know that it was wrong at the time and this is what they've gone through and now they've learned and now they've gone in this journey. It's more difficult to then wanna cancel them. Yeah, it's yeah. different when it's, it's, it's different when like revealed. Yeah, it's different secret. when it's revealed to when like someone's <laughs> telling you that their that, past yeah. and telling you how they've changed and so, how they've grown. Mm. Um I think that differs. But and in terms of like people that aren't don't have legendary status, it's like I find it really difficult and I always feel quite sorry for them because when people something's happened and it's been pulled up on the internet and they're trying to apologise like they can't it's ever strong. get your it apology, right your apology it's like, like, yeah, you like, you didn't apologise you, properly yeah. again. it's like oh yeah you apologised in your notes <laughs> bruv what do you mean <laughs> what, what else are people should I do a video I know like, I don't understand webcam so it's like, it's, 1080 I don't, I don't know <laughs> I don't know when when society decides to forgive people if it isn't that Highest status. Do you know what is that? I think you've made an important point because it's reflective of our own relationship with self forgiveness. Yeah. Because it reaches a point where it's like, okay, how would you like me to show that mm-hmm. I am sorry for what I've done and that I've learned? Because I actually need to to live through this experience and allow my allow my lesson to actually manifest in me. Yeah. Like, how do you prove that you've learned your lesson? Yeah. But I... then, I, but then I think to myself, like, is Dr. Dre a moralist? Has, has Dr. Mm-hmm. Dre ever come from a moral place or is he coming mm-hmm. from a place of commentary? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I am, this is who I am. I am from this place. Mm-hmm. Whereas a politician... Yeah. That that's whole, a responsibility. That's a responsibility. You have yeah. influence, you have power, you have direct, you can legislate. That, that's yeah. a difference from somebody getting on a microphone and saying, yeah. F the government, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. or F the system. Like, that's very different. Bob Marley, again, yeah. another very problematic character. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I think that whichever way you cut it, like you were always and you're right there is definitely something within this gender issue is the fact that it's this is very common amongst men this is part of the patriarchy this is part of what you know male supremacy this is what it affords people mm. and if you compare that to problematic women you'll find it difficult to even try and pick 10 yeah. it's it's just one of these things it's inbuilt within the system and men are taught to behave and to be able to get away with certain things and then the more powerful you become the more you can push those things yeah, out. Push them on, yeah. yeah, I feel like the internet is such a dark place. I remember back in back in 2015, 2014, I saw I saw 2018 coming. I knew <laughs> that people are gonna start doing this thing where they will type in your handle and type a particular term next to it to find something. So I downloaded a program um called like Martani or something like that. And I just went through my archive, deleted all my old tweets from when I was like 15, 16 years yeah. old because that's not the person I am now. Yeah. And I knew that the social landscape was very different back mm-hmm. then where the way to bond with people was banter and cussing people's mums. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. being a being an absolute idiot. Mm-hmm. And now that I know that it was wrong, imagine I just imagine constantly what if those old tweets got pulled up now and mm-hmm. how people would <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. But I think with with us talking about this subject, and you just addressed something that you felt like when you was young, you know, you went and you 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 you're extremely like regretful for, and yeah. you, you like you'd want to make atonements for it, and you're happy that you was able to rectify that. Mm-hmm. Is end it? We're talking about something that maybe a, this this is your opportunity to kind of like talk about something that you said in the past, or maybe something that you put online that you really regret. One of the things I really regret being in the situation. I remember when I was like. 
maybe I was I was I was like 20, 21, 22. I can't remember how old I was, maybe like 20. But at the same time, I was not as open my understanding when I wrote a poem about abortion. And I look back and I'm thinking like, no one had to tell me that. I look back and look back. Why would I even think it'd be okay to discuss yeah. a subject like that? Do you understand what I'm saying? But this is me coming from years of understanding it, from, from mainly from like uh, upbringing, do you understand what I'm saying? Or mm. mainly from a male perspective as well and saying that this is right, this is wrong. But as growing and it's not only just educating yourself it's really just experiencing life you realise mm-hmm. that there's certain discussions that there's multifaceted and there's so many things that you can't just put into a poem yeah. and say right or wrong do you understand what I'm saying yeah. and, and that I mean like that's probably one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done and I've never but come out from it I've, yeah and I've never come out publicly and said like you said people learn I've never come out publicly and said I shouldn't have done that, that that's one of the things was like wow if I had opportunities like you wouldn't have I'd remove it. all evidence of it online but I'm sure it's still floating <laughs> around somewhere boy, but. no yeah like um, I definitely like wiped all tweets yeah. Um, and it wasn't even that, and it was mainly around because, like, I'm sure we all know, like, we all used the word gay. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah, in a completely a different context, yeah. it wasn't even anything to do with gay people. <laughs> it was just. It was just. Rather it was just. Gay fans. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So obviously, looking back on my tweets, I was like, I oh, know I didn't mean it in a disrespectful way, but yeah. obviously the word meant something different yeah. to like youth then. And I, but I remember like being on a bus maybe last year. And there was like a group of teenagers on a bus, and they used gay in the context that <laughs> had used to that, use we, it that yeah, yeah that we used to use it. And I remember like, and they was talking loud, and they said it loud, like "Oh, that's gay fam" or whatever they said. Mm. And like, my whole body you was just I just like... sunk, yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, like, is this really what we was doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. is this really how we were speaking?" Yeah. And do you know what I mean? Everything. And my mum's a teacher, and I remember when she. It was, like, a while ago now. But I remember when she said that, like, it had been brought into schools that they had to... They banned the word used in that context kind of thing. Mm. And then it just made me, like, realise, like, it wasn't always banned, though, in that context. Like, it was really... It was normal. Normal, and it was really allowed. And it's weird because I don't consciously remember when the shift happened for me. Yeah. But just hearing someone else say it on the bus, like, a couple years ago, Mm. like, I was so offended or whatever by it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, but I didn't even notice when that shift happened yeah. personally. Yeah. But certain, just sorry. us as a society and how, obviously, as you grow up and learn and have yeah. different friends, that, yeah, it just changes. I hear that. Anthony, do you want to close us off? I mean, I, I, mean, I'm quite, I don't know how old everyone is here, um, but I'm 35. Yeah. So I didn't really come onto Facebook and Twitter until I was maybe 27 28 something like this so I was quite fortunate in the fact that I'd done all my stupid stuff right, yeah. like you know, offline, offline <laughs> yeah, the internet didn't exist when I was 17, 18 um, so I'm, I'm quite thankful for that I mean I've deleted stuff but I've, I've deleted it because I felt the wording I haven't framed it right what yeah. I'm trying to say the only thing that I think I ever I got taught a very quick lesson and the way that it was done was for me the most beautiful way you can teach someone um and it was some. It was when Kanye West did Glastonbury, yeah. and he was using the N word. And I, you saw the, the the picture was him in that box, and then all these white folk were just saying the N word. You could see yeah. them mouthing it back. And I think I went on Facebook and I just did this whole thing that you know that rappers shouldn't use this word and white people shouldn't be saying it. Blah blah blah. And I then think I remember. Yeah, yeah, and then a friend of mine from America, African American guy, he called me up and he says, are you around? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to chop it up. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm about. So he goes, all right, let's go get a drink. So we went and had the drink and as we were chatting, he said, I saw your the post that you did. 
So you don't, you know, what are your thoughts? I said, listen, man, and I was quite righteous with it. Like, this is what I think, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then he was like, cool, you're not African-American. And I was like, yeah, I know that, man. I'm pretty aware of that. And he goes, so here's the thing. What that word does within the American context is act as a relief. And only if you are an African-American can you fully understand the function of that word yeah. and just to kind of use it in this kind of way to perform or to posture is takes away the essence of, of what it does now he's saying look i'm not trying to say it's right or whether yeah. it's wrong i'm just saying that what he was saying is that it helps us deal with the black experience mm -hmm. and if that word is needed to deal with the black experience and he was from yonkers mm -hmm. you know like then that word needs to be there you what you should have said it should have stopped that white people mm. should not use that oh, word. Okay. Mm. That's it. Like, literally, the other, the, the other discussion is for black folk to have. <laughs> like, particularly African-Americans. Yeah. He goes, not even black British folk, yeah, yeah, yeah. because this is something that America have exported. Yeah. This is a discourse within that, and there's enough comment, Tanishi Coates, there's enough James Baldwin commentators who have talked and spoken about the use of, of the N-word within that context. Yeah. And so for me, you know, I never really thought of it as, as a kind of coping mechanism in, in that sense of how you deal with white supremacy, of how you deal with you know, structural oppression and things like this. Um, and it completely changed the way in which I kind of saw language and, and the way in which some words do act as a... I don't know if you've seen Tanishi Coates' thing where he talks about overhearing his wife Talking call to her a friend, friend a bitch. A bitch, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah and then yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, why would anyone even have the desire to want to use that word, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, unless you're desire. a woman, right? Yeah. <laughs> unless you're... So it's, you know, I think this is, for me, this is one of the beauties of, and one of the most kind of deleterious elements of language is the fact that it, it does create these kind of political discussions. But then, you know, language is political. Like the whole thing is structured on, mm -hmm. on politics and in, being inclusive and exclusive and things yeah. like this. So I think that for me, that's, that's my takeaway. Um, and that, that's one of the most kind of profound lessons I learned a few years back on, um, on social media. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Cool, yeah, man. It's been a great, great, great discussion, man. Thank you both for your time, Thank your contribution, you. your energy, yeah, your your enlightenment. Stuff. Take Thank care. You. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for guys, coming. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.